What's up, everyone? This is Cortland from NDHackers.com, and you're listening to the Andy Hackers podcast. On this show, I talk to the founders of profitable internet businesses, and I try to get a sense of what it's like to be in their shoes. How do they get to where they are today? How do they make decisions both at their businesses and in their personal lives? And what exactly makes their businesses tick? And the goal here, as always, is so that the rest of us can learn from their examples and go on to build our own profitable internet businesses. In this episode, I'll be chatting with Tim Solo, the CMO and product advisor for a company called Hrefs. Hrefs is an SEO company, or SEO stands for Search Engine Optimization. They provide a collection of tools that help you grow the traffic to your website that comes from the billions of people who are searching Google and Bing every day, as well as some tools that help you research your competitors, see why they're ranking high on Google, and find out what you need to do to outrank them. So obviously, this is massively useful stuff if you're a founder trying to build and grow your online business. Tim, welcome to the Indie Hackers Podcast, and thanks so much for joining me. Thanks so much for having me. Let's talk about Hrefs. You and I caught up a little bit last week, and you told me some stats about your company, Hrefs, and you guys are killing it. You're a 45-person company. You're bringing in over $40 million a year in revenue, which is pretty close to a million dollars in revenue per employee. Yeah. And... Yeah, it's pretty amazing. And despite being so huge, you're still growing 60% year over year. And so you're the CMO sitting on top of this rocket. You're in charge of marketing. You're in charge of growth. And you're also, in many ways, I think, the face of Hrefs. I mean, literally, when I open the website, a little window pops up in the bottom right, and it's your face telling me about (laughs) new features and asking me if I need any help. So you're really front and center. How did you get here? If I would share the, the short story... Dmitry, the founder and CEO of Hrefs, uh, is, uh, comes from Ukraine. So he's a Ukrainian. And I'm a Ukrainian myself, as you can probably hear from my accent. And uh, Dmitry, uh, because he's like a super technical guy, he was able to create a pretty badass product with pretty badass data that was like one level better than what was already there. And he was able just with awesome product and like no good marketing, uh, he was able to get it to a certain uh, level. But then he realized that he won't be able to grow the company unless he does something with marketing. So he started looking for people who could potentially join the team and fill that gap. At the time, there was a a website called Inbound.org where marketers were discussing like uh, newly published articles or sharing their opinions, doing polls, etc., etc., etc. And I think it was um, Ask Me Anything session by Anne Smarty who is also from Ukraine, and Dmitry knows her, so he was reading her MS session. And uh, within that session, I was asking some questions to Anne Smarty, and I was saying that uh, I'm glad that she's from Ukraine and she's doing so well uh, uh, among the SEO specialists, that, that she's so visible, etc., and, and that I'm also from Ukraine and I'm doing my first steps, etc., etc., etc. So this is how Dmitry noticed me. Uh, and he enjoyed the fact that I'm also from Ukraine because he he feels more comfortable to talk to his employees in Russian than in English. Uh, I mean, he knows English very well, but it's just easier for him to explain himself in his native language. So he started digging on me a little bit. He found uh, that I did uh, an article for Moz that uh, in 2010, it was the, the top article of the year. It won like three nominations out of four, something like that. He also found uh, my personal blog where I was uh, writing some articles about marketing and where I was creating my own WordPress tools. Uh, and I also launched uh, an online tool, which was kind of similar 
to what uh, hrefs what was uh, was working at at this time but like not uh, not the same level of sophistication of course so he reached out to me and asked if i'm interested to like do some freelance work like write write some articles give him some feedback within just i think two or three weeks uh, we realized that uh, we're a good fit for each other and he invited me to singapore so that's that's the story how big was the HF's team at the time that you joined? And do you remember how much revenue you guys were doing back then? No, I, I don't remember the actual revenue. Uh, but I remember that there were like 15 people in the team. And now we're 45. So, and, and basically, uh, some of the people that are in the team today, not even in the marketing department, uh, are the people who I brought in. So <laughs> even though I'm a marketer, I actually hired uh, an awesome uh, web designer who joined our team and then he brought his friend. And now we have two amazing web designers. And I also, this is the fun part, I also brought in uh, a data scientist to our team. <laughs> While I don't have a clue like what is data science and what they should do, but just by like watching applications uh, like job postings of other people, I created a job posting. Uh, I found uh, a few people that, that seemed promising and I just forwarded them to our team uh, and they did the vetting. So yeah, I kind of participated in hiring the data scientist. Cool. So you're really doing a little bit of everything at HREFs. Yeah, th- that's that's the virtue, virtues of uh, being in, in a small company with not a lot of people. This means that uh, you can apply your talents everywhere you want, everywhere you see that, that you can do some damage. You just go and do this. I like it a lot because before that I, I worked uh, in kind of bigger companies with like 300 plus people and they didn't feel like any responsibility on me. So whether I do good in my job, whether I do bad, this wasn't affecting the bottom line at all. <laughs> the traps is like totally different. So like every every little thing I do, it may have a strong effect on the bottom line. Well, there is a lot I want to get into. I want to talk about all these little details about how you've helped HRFs grow into a $40 million a year business. I want to talk about the strategies that you've used that we can apply to our own businesses to grow them a little bit faster and more effectively. But first, I want to dive a bit into your history. We've talked about having a blog. You talked about having a marketing product that you were selling. How did you get into entrepreneurship? How did you get out of working for these bigger companies and go on to being self-employed? Yeah, well, the the part of the story I already kind of hinted. Whenever you work for a big company and they don't give you the the responsibility, they, they don't help you work on your ambitions, you start doing something on the side. That's, that's what always happens. And I wasn't lucky enough uh, to join any good company early that would uh, give me a chance to shine, so to say. So naturally, I was always looking to work on my own ideas, to apply the knowledge that I have and that I couldn't apply uh, within these companies that I was working at. So I started a blog, like uh, the best thing you can do to to wrap your head around like online business, online marketing, etc. is start doing something something. And they started the blog actually as a bet with my friend. So we, we, we had a bet like who will be able to launch a brand new blog and generate more traffic uh, in six months. Uh, long story short, I, I won that bet, but not because I was so good, but because he abandoned his blog uh, eventually. You won by default. <laughs> yeah, I won by, by default, you could say so. Uh, but yeah, from there, I, I 
just naturally enjoyed blogging. I naturally enjoyed uh, figuring out how I could uh, get attention, how I could get some traffic to my website. I started learning SEO. I started like learning how to build backlinks, where to get them, how they help me rank, how to do keyword research. I was reading Moz. I was reading Smart Passive Income by Pat Flynn. I was trying like to build sites for AdSense. Like I was trying to build sites for ClickBank affiliate stuff. So I was trying a little bit of everything. And uh, part of my journey, I was sharing uh, on my personal blog. And eventually I decided that I don't quite like uh, kind of promoting products of other people because I don't have any kind of influence over the actual product. And they thought that, uh, and they always had like many ideas of how to improve them. So I decided that I should actually launch my own products uh, and uh, not be just a marketer, but kind of a product manager, product owner. So I simply went, uh, I had a few ideas. Uh, I went to Upwork. I, I found a few developers and they started working on WordPress plugins. Uh, then I set up uh, simple landing pages, connected them to ClickBank because it was the easiest way to handle billing and started selling my products. And like this was a huge learning experience because uh, if you're doing all of that yourself, if you're doing marketing yourself, if you're like working on the product yourself, managing a team, trying to sell it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, you learn a lot about like marketing, about business, about everything. Yeah, like you can read a thousand of books, but unless you start doing something again and get the, the real experience, uh, you won't be good at it. I'm curious what was driving you during this period. You talk about how you started this blog competition with your friend and you won and you found out that you really liked blogging. And I've talked to a lot of people, founders even, who hate blogging. It's their least favorite thing. And and here you were reading about blogging and learning how to do all these tactics. What do you think was driving you? What motivated you to keep doing something that a lot of people don't really enjoy? That's a great question. And to be honest, I don't know. Probably there is something in my nature because before joining SEO and starting blogging, content marketing, and getting myself out there, I actually was a DJ. So I kind of enjoyed being on stage, uh, playing music to the crowd, and uh, people uh, knew my name. So it was quite awesome. Like I was getting messages from people. They were giving me props on the music that I was playing. I think that is somehow connected. So I kind of like I don't know, having a spotlight on me or whatever. I think this is why I, I enjoyed blogging and I enjoyed uh, like sharing like what I have, being public. I think I don't have any fear of being public uh, and I genuinely like kind of uh, sharing my knowledge with people. So I think this is what kept me going. I think this is, this is just something in my nature. I like to be helpful and uh, I like uh, when people know me for something. I think one of the things, one of the algorithms that a lot of successful entrepreneurs run is this sort of exploration phase where they'll try a lot of things and they won't like some of them, but they eventually find something they really like and they they stick with that. Did you try other things besides blogging, besides starting your own product that didn't resonate with you, that you didn't enjoy doing and that you eventually quit? To be honest... Uh, coming from Ukraine, which is not as developed uh, as some other countries in the world, you have to have some grit. So I, I really didn't didn't think much of the things that I enjoy or not enjoy. I just had like I don't know my ambitions, my goals. So I wanted to achieve something. I wanted to be I don't know uh, one level above above my friends, uh, like who were working at nine to five jobs, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I was wanted. I, I wanted to like uh, take a step further. 
So even if I didn't enjoy something, I just pushed myself through it. And like, usually when I talk about this stuff, I like to to do analogy with boxers uh, because like I'm a fan of boxing, not a big one. So I don't watch every boxing match. But in Ukraine, we have two guys that are dominating the pound for pound list right now. Uh, and I'm like watching them because they are fellow re- Ukrainians and I have pride in that. So like the analogy with boxing is that uh, those guys, they don't really enjoy working super hard in the gym because like they are under the spotlight i don't know two three times per year when they have the boxing match and like all eyes are on them but then there's a ton of hard work that happens in the gym and no one is watching them no one is really like uh, giving them a pat on the back Uh, well maybe their trainer at least so I just think that if you want to achieve something, if if you want to be successful at something, you have to live with the fact that you might not like doing some things and you have to push yourself through it. So, like, I think there are different opinions about this. Some people say that, that you should only do things you like and this is the only way to succeed. I think that the, the only way to succeed is to push yourself uh, through some things that you don't like in order to eventually be able to do things that you like. So this is my kind of vision for that. You know, I've had a few experiences where I felt a bit like a rubber band. I got stretched so far that I kind of retained this new shape. Right? I was just pushed to work so much harder and have so much more discipline than I normally would have had. College comes to mind. I'd always considered myself to be a pretty lazy person before college. And by the time I graduated, I had a new identity of being a hardworking person. And I meet a lot of founders who would describe themselves as hardworking people. And I think it's super useful because when you come up against these new challenges in the future, they don't look quite as scary. You can tell yourself the story that, hey, I'm the kind of person who can do this. Or you can look at your past history and say, hey, I've already done harder things than this in the past, so I can do this too. Yeah, exactly. Let's talk about your first product business where you decided to stop selling other people's products and start selling your own. You talked a little bit about how you got started with that. How did you end up finding your first customers and what became of that business? kind of the first product that I created was actually within a company that I worked for. So I worked for a company uh, that was selling website templates and they wanted to like uh, expand. Uh, they were selling, I don't know, WordPress, Joomla, PrestaShop, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And they were always looking for ways to expand their product lines. And uh, this was at the time where Facebook introduced their pages and they allowed you with uh, the code called FBML, Facebook markup language or something like this, create uh, create kind of custom layouts for your Facebook pages. So whenever people land on your Facebook page, you can show them like some beautiful stuff, have some buttons, forms, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So since I was kind of a marketer and I was interested in all those things, I suggested these guys to start producing uh, Facebook page templates because I I, I could see that it was like uh, a big hit at the time and no one was really doing it. So there was kind of search demand for it. People were searching for it in Google, but no one was really selling them. So we quickly make we, we quickly made like uh, 10 of them uh, listed them o- on the store and within a week those Facebook template templates they became the top selling product on their store so this was quite fun the only problem was that uh, the the more advanced templates that they're selling that had some flash animation at the time etc cetera, etc cetera, were costing like 200 plus dollars uh, but Facebook templates were like uh, 10 to 15 dollars because they they were simple Nevertheless, they were super successful and I had quite a few ideas on how to like create more advanced Facebook templates, what kind of things we could integrate there. 
and kind of ramp up the price uh, and uh, earn more. But the only thing that I got for introducing that product to their market is like one-time bonus of $100. So like when I realized that I, I just suggested them uh, a product that became the top seller within their store and they had a lot of ideas on how to develop that product and they only gave me like one-time bonus of $100, I realized that I need to quit at this time. So uh, I quit and I started uh, with with my friend who actually worked at that company as well, our own store for Facebook templates. And I think within less than three months, uh, we were making like, Two thousand plus dollars in revenue, and it it, it just kept growing. The demand uh, just keep uh, w- was uh, was rising all the time. So I think this is this is the first product that I started selling, and it wasn't that hard for me to get customers because, like I said, people were actually searching for that uh, in Google because no one uh, was really targeting these search terms. It was like super easy for us to rank for FBML templates, Facebook page templates, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So customers were finding us and were buying our products. And from there, uh, once you uh, buy Facebook page template and put it on your Facebook page, other people start seeing it and they are asking you like, where did you get the template? Like who designed it for you? So word of mouth also started kicking in uh, and other customers were coming to our store based on the recommendations. So it was quite easy. And, and actually, this is the same strategy that we use today at HRFs. We, we have a blog that targets a lot of like SEO related questions, problems, etc. So people land on our blog. They see how we suggest to solve their SEO problems uh, with the help of our tools. So they sign up. And then once they get results with our SEO tools, once they once they start growing their own traffic from Google, they tell to their friends about it via word of mouth. And these are our two biggest channels of customer acquisition at HFs, searches in Google and word of mouth. I bet it felt amazing to go from working at a big company, which you didn't like, to having thousands of customers coming into this product after only a couple of months. It felt like we we're onto something, but uh, the story didn't end well because that guy he actually changed all the passwords and disappeared. <laughs> oh no! Your your so-called yeah. friend. Yeah, yeah, so-called friend. Yeah. So you had this huge exploratory period before joining HRFs, where you were working at other companies and helping them grow their products, and you were you know meeting up with I guess <laughs> some shady figures and and starting successful <laughs> companies and having them stolen out from under you. What do you think were yeah. the most significant lessons that you learned before joining HREFs that you have subsequently applied to your work at HREFs? I think the the most significant lesson that I've learned is that I want to work on the actual product. I don't want to be just a marketer who like sells whatever boss will tell him. And I I don't want to be a marketer that will do like whatever boss will tell him. Like the boss will tell, we need descriptions for our website templates and I would sit and like create those descriptions. I hated that. I understood that not only I can kind of promote something, not only I know a little bit of SEO and I know how to rank things in Google, I actually know how to create products that people want. I know how to communicate with people and get their feedback that would then drive product development. So the ideas that I had about uh, Facebook page templates all came from our customers because I didn't have my own Facebook page. I didn't have my own Facebook page template. So I had no idea what I should have on those like Facebook page templates. But because I was talking to the customers, I was trying to understand their businesses, what they're looking for. I got some ideas which we implemented in the products and the products were like uh, super hot. 
So yeah, my, my biggest lesson is that marketing is not only about promoting something. Marketing is about creating a better product for your target market. So you say that you know how to create a product that people like, and you know how to talk to customers and get their feedback. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs, especially people just starting out, don't know either of these two things. These are very difficult things to do that might sound easy in theory, just talk to people. But in practice, it can be really hard to do. It's scary to talk to people. And it's easy to talk to people and come out the other side of those conversations having learned the wrong lessons because you ask the wrong questions or you talk to the wrong people or something like that. What are some things that you learned about talking to customers and about creating a product that people like early on in your career that you think most novice entrepreneurs don't know or that maybe you didn't know before you first got started? Yeah, so I think one one cool lesson that I can share from the top of my head is that you you don't necessarily have to listen to what uh, your customers or people that, that you communicate to, like your prospects, are saying directly to you. But you should look for kind of side clues. For example, when I started to sell my WordPress plugins, uh, of course, whenever I reached out to, to people and asked them to give me feedback on my plugins, people either didn't reply or said that those are nice plugins. But what I was looking for is whenever I gave my fl- my plugin for free to someone, because blogging was like a super hot thing back then, and people were writing articles about whatever was happening in their lives, uh, some of these people actually posted on their blogs that they started using this plugin, and here are the results they have, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So these were the clues that I was looking for, because there, people were actually telling their honest opinion, and they were telling their honest use cases, and I could see what, what people are actually using your product for. Not what they say they like, not what they say they would do, but what they actually do. And this is super important. And also the the results that they get. And once you see what people actually do with your product and not just like pretend to do, you have like a good vision of where where you should take your product next. Let's talk about your transition to running marketing at Hrefs. I think by the time you joined Hrefs, you're already, you guys are already in kind of a crowded market. There's a lot of other SEO tools, a lot of other SEO firms. There's Moz, there's Simrush that are huge that people are using to basically improve their SEO. How did you guys stand out from the crowd and sell a product that people liked in such a crowded field? Yeah, it was quite a challenge. And I remember when I just joined the Chefs, uh, Dmitry, our founder in the SEO, he said something like, Moz has marketing on a scale from zero to five at five, but their product is at three at best. Hrefs has product at five on a scale from zero to five, but marketing is like at one at best. <laughs> so like all we need to do is like ramp up our marketing to three and, we're all, and we'll already be like uh, one level above Moz. So that's the, the long story short, uh, because we have such an awesome product. Uh, we didn't have to be even the best marketers in the field. We just had to have decent marketing and uh, multiply it by an awesome product. It started kicking off. To be honest, I think uh, there was also a level of ignorance so I, I didn't quite understand what I was up to and who I was against. Uh, I didn't think about it much. I just wanted to do good work. I just wanted to do what I was uh, what I was best at. So I didn't really think that we have those big competitors, that they have resources, that Moz has like millions and millions in funding, huge team like Rand Fishkin, who's the 
one of the top people in the field with like huge following. I didn't think about all these things. I was just thinking like, how do I let more and more people know that Ahrefs is amazing, that Ahrefs is awesome? So that's basically it. That's so much pressure to put on your shoulders. I mean, talk about lighting a fire under somebody's ass to come into a new company and say, hey, we're pretty much a five out of five on product, but you're the new marketer guy and the only thing that we really need to succeed is badass marketing. So get to it. <laughs> That's a lot of pressure. <laughs> Let's talk about this this one out of five state that HRS was in. What were some of the things that HRS was doing wrong when you joined? Yeah, so first of all, because I had so much experience with blogging, I thought that the blog wasn't doing good because like they were doing maybe 10 or 15,000 visits per month and they were publishing three articles per week. And the quality of these articles of those articles was like not super good because they were actually employing some people from the SEO space. I don't even remember the names of these people. And these people were only interested to quickly create an article within an hour, publish it on HF's blog and get like 300 euros for that article. So I saw that this is not how blogging should work. This is not the strategy. So... The first thing I did when I came to, to marketing at HFs, I fired those freelancers. I told them, okay, we are like canceling contracts with you. We no longer want to follow this strategy. We are going to redo our blog. And I, I started looking for people who are first have uh, firsthand SEO experience, who are actually practitioners and not just writers. And second, who had a track record of publishing like amazing articles, not just any articles on any blogs, but the articles that I would read and say, whoa, I, I want to have that, that person on my team. So yeah, that's, that's basically the trick. Plus, with our blog, uh, before that, the content strategy was just random. So these writers were allowed to write on anything uh, that they wanted. So whatever was hot at the time, I don't know, mobile SEO or whatever, schema, they were writing about it. And those pieces were mostly kind of opinion. So I think that mobile SEO is headed there. Here are five tips on like optimizing your website. So not the stuff like <laughs> you, you will read. What I did is that we started doing like keyword research. We started figuring out what kind of search queries, what kind of things people are actually looking for in Google in regards to SEO. What is the kind of search potential? What is the traffic potential of these topics? And if these topics can feature Ahrefs tools, because I realized that we are a small team. Actually, uh, when I joined Ahrefs, I was a single marketer. And I realized that we don't have like a huge team of writers to cover every imaginable topic. So we had to focus on topics that would bring us customers. And that meant that these topics should be related to SEO, which our product does. And these topics, within those topics, we should be able to pitch our use cases. Because I think I've heard uh, a nice phrase somewhere uh, in some book, uh, that uh, the first time when people use your product is in their heads. So this was my objective. My objective was within an article to make people envision themselves using Ahrefs, to show them use cases. And uh, they were they were searching in Google for some kind of problem they have with SEO. And my goal was to show them how to solve th that problem with Ahrefs so that they would be naturally interested to sign up. So that's that's the first thing uh, I did. We we kind of changed the direction of uh, of our blog from publishing publishing random stuff to targeting super specific searches and showcasing Ahrefs uh, within those articles. And we are doing this till this date. And we recently surpassed two hundred thousand visitors from 
Google search alone. So the total traffic is much bigger. And within, like, if you go to Ahrefs blog, like, uh, open any article, and there would be some use cases of Ahrefs. I don't think, like, we have even, like, 3% of our articles that don't mention Ahrefs. So most of them do have use cases for Ahrefs. So this was one of the first thing that uh, they were doing wrong, uh, and I kind of corrected it. One of the things I know about you that I think sets you apart from a lot of other expert marketers is that you're not really into metrics. You're not fanatically tracking every (laughs) single user behavior through every (laughs) single funnel on your site. Uh, You're pretty happy not looking at a lot of that stuff at all. Why aren't you into metrics and how do you compensate for not tracking this kind of stuff? Yeah, well, if I know metrics or if I don't know these metrics that doesn't really change what I do day to day. So I knew that I want to create content around uh, specific searches. I knew that I want to push Ahrefs within those articles and show people how to use it. And because like people were signing up and uh, I was also doing some support to better understand our customers. And they were saying like, I, I've read about you in that article and you showed this use case and I want to apply it for my website. So I kind of knew by these side clues that my strategy works because when people were, were signing up, they were actually telling this to me. And some people, they were even sending direct emails to me saying how much they enjoyed uh, some of our articles and they that they started applying these things for their business and it works. So I knew it works. And like, I didn't care like what was the conversion rate from my article uh, into HF subscribers. And I didn't care like what was the, I don't even know like what's the total traffic to our blog right now because I don't understand what, what it would change. I can only see that our search traffic that, that we care about the most is growing. I, I can see that people are consistently finding us in Google whenever they have SEO issues. They land on our blog and they learn about HFs. That's all I need to know. And one other fun story is that Again, when I joined Ahrefs, I, of course, started like uh, learning everything about SaaS marketing, sales funnels, conversion funnels, tracking uh, every metric, etc., cohorts, churn, etc., etc., etc. There's a ton of stuff to learn, actually. At a certain point, we kind of started to, to apply this. So, for example, we tried to measure the conversion funnel for Ahrefs. This is when uh, people land on your homepage, then they click the trial button, then they enter their information, then they confirm their email, uh, and then they do some steps of onboarding, and finally they, they have a registered trial. So we wanted to track every step in that funnel. And what we did, uh, we actually signed up for three different tools, three different analytics tools. One was Kissmetrics, other one was Wupra, uh, and I think the third was Mixpanel. And uh, we there was also a tool called Segment where you can funnel your data and, and then Segment connects to all those different tools and sends them the exactly the same data. So we knew this, this setup uh, for all three tools was exactly the same because we were using a single tool to feed those three analytics tools. But what we discovered after setting up uh, that thing is that the, the numbers in the conversion funnel, like how many people go from step one to step two, from step two to step, to step three, was actually different. So numbers differed by like one to three percent. And we realized that if numbers between those three analytics tools already different uh, by 3%, what's the point for us to trying to ramp up the numbers in our conversion funnel by 3% by like obsessing over A-B testing, doing different copy, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. A better use of our time was to simply create the onboarding on 
or conversion funnel in a way that we think is logical and convenient to people, and then focus on the actual product, focus on bringing value to the people who signed up and trying to use us, other than trying to like get more people into the product that is not as good as it could be if you would invest all the time there. So this is our kind of policy with uh, obsessing over all these analytics things. But on the other hand, like I can't say that we don't track anything at all, because for example, if we want to change uh, some feature within a tool, we won't be kind of ignorant about it. So we will set up kind of internal tests, internal tracking, and we will measure like how many people open this report, how many people click on this button, how many people like add something to something. So we would know like uh, the the usage of that feature and we would know what, what to do, like how popular it is among our customers and what to do next. So it's not that we're ignoring like uh, all measurements. We only measure stuff where we know that we can actually then, based on these numbers, we can actually do some takeaways and this will kind of change the way we uh, work with that feature further. Everything you said resonates with me so hard because I've read over and over online that you shouldn't track any metrics that aren't actionable. You shouldn't track metrics that you're not going to actually change your behavior once you see the result of. But I can't tell you how many charts I've set up on Google Analytics or Mixpanel (laughs) or Amplitude and then just never looked at it again. Never did anything as a result of it. And so it was a total waste of time. Let's talk a little bit about word of mouth as a strategy in addition to all this content marketing that you're doing. You mentioned earlier that sort of the the two things that helped your template business run were the content and the word of mouth, people liking your product and talking to each other about it and sharing it with each other and writing blog posts about it, et cetera. I imagine that's a pretty huge driver of growth at Hrefs too. I know I started using Hrefs because a friend of mine told me to start using it. How do you actually intentionally harness word of mouth? How do you get your customers to talk about the product that you're building? Yeah, so there's a story to it because like I wasn't that smart from the start. I actually learned everything the hard way. And the story is when I came here to Singapore, I was happy. uh, I was lucky to meet a guy, Eli Schwartz. He's, uh, I think he's head of SEO uh, at SurveyMonkey. Well, he's for sure at SurveyMonkey. I just don't remember his exact title. And when I met him, he introduced me to kind of local Singaporean group of uh, marketers. And we started to have uh, hangouts now and then to like drink beers and talk about marketing. And on one of these hangouts, uh, the guy started asking me about HRS, like, Tim, what do you think like is is great about the tool, about the company that you've joined, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I simply started bragging about uh, our technical team about Dmitry, our founder, who is super technical, who is super knowledgeable with all those, I don't know, servers, programming languages, etc., etc., etc. And the the kind of level of knowledge of our development team, uh, they are coding uh, in a programming language called OCaml, which is like not super uh, famous, but it's like very, very effective and very hardcore. And I was bragging about the quality of data that we have, like the size of the data that we have, and that we have like an awesome crawler, etc., etc., etc. And the guys were simply kind of dropping their jaws. And I remember like like it was yesterday that Eli actually asked me, like, why don't you tell this to like everyone online? Why are you sharing all that stuff with us now? And this, this is like super impressive to us. But like, there's no way to learn about all these things unless you actually talk to you. And I was like, okay, now I'm <laughs> onto something. So I realized that 
I was actually in in personal one-on-one con- conversations. I was bragging uh, about HFs, how good is our data, what like separates us from the competition, uh, what are our kind of unique selling propositions, etc., etc., etc. But I didn't do this in my marketing. So this is when I started like uh, plugging into our content some references about the tech stack that we have, about the quality of data that we have, about the size of the data that we have. And today we actually have uh, a dedicated page. So if you go to hf.com homepage, this is so important to us that I actually created uh, a dedicated page called Our Data. And once you click it, you can see like uh, the numbers of how many backlinks we have in our database, how many keywords we have in our database. And these are like huge and impressive numbers. And we also have an information about uh, the amount of servers that they that, that we have, which is also huge. Like our infrastructure is super huge and it impresses people. And they realize that they're not just using a tool that was made by a few freelancers, but they're using like a sophisticated tool that costs kind of millions of dollars literally to maintain and they can get access to it for like a hundred dollars per month so yeah i started integrating those clues into my marketing whenever i was uh, doing an interview whenever i was recording a video or writing an article or talking to people on facebook and like i saw that it resonates with people so this is how like uh, i i kind of generated some some extra word of mouth because when when your customers will talk to their peers they need some kind of arguments as to why the tool that they're using is better than the tool that their friend is using. So my job was to give them those arguments. Other than that, we were super lucky that some guys, I think they own uh, some content delivery network or something. Long story short, they have access to analytics of uh, 100,000 websites. And what they did, they did a small research uh, to see which kind of search search bots, search crawlers were most active on uh, on their websites, on 100,000 websites that they have access to. And HRFs turned out to be the second most active crawler after Google. So we were visiting kind of more pages and updating pages more frequently than, I don't know, Bing, Yahoo, etc., etc., etc. So immediately I started using this heavily in our marketing that HRFs has the second most active crawler after Google, and we integrated this again into our content content, uh, into our, I don't know, promotional materials. And they saw that people started telling this to each other. So whenever uh, it there was an argument about like who has better link data, who has better crawler of the web, they were like, people were just sending each other uh, a link to, to that research and saying, look, uh, HFs has the second best crawler after Google. And it's not a research that they've done themselves. This is a third party research, which is not in any way affiliated with HFs. So it seems like you have this this repeated process where you would interact with customers and talk to them. You would see through their reactions what impressed them the most about what's going on at HREFs. And then you'd work that into your marketing material to sort of blast that out to everybody instead of just keeping it contained in these one-on-one conversations that you're having or these small research projects that you're finding. Now that you're saying it, yeah, I think that is the process. But actually, I never think of, I never thought of it this way. So it's not intentional that I would uh, talk to people and test their responses uh, on whatever I was sharing. So it happened naturally. I, I was kind of sharing what what was imp- impressive to me, and then when I when I got reaction, like like a normal normal hum- human being, I was making a mental note, like, "Hey, this works. I need to tell about this to more people." <laughs> so that's it. Exactly. You mentioned that when you joined HREFs, you started learning everything you could about SaaS marketing. You started reading about sales funnels and conversion funnels and cohort analyses, et cetera, et cetera. Let's say people are listening to this right now and they have no idea about 
any of this stuff. They've never marketed anything in their life. What do you think are the most important concepts for them to understand? Oh, that's a super good question. I, I think the, the most important concept is there are just two ways to reach people online. Okay, three ways. The first way is when they search for you. Like I said, whenever people have a problem, what they do, they go to Google and look for a solution. So if you show up there, you automatically get customers. So this is the first way. The second way is ads. So people uh, are hanging out on Facebook. People are hanging out on Twitter. People are hanging out on different websites that, that have banners, etc., etc. And you can like pay for placements on those websites, or you can even pay for, I don't know, dedicated email blasts to someone's audience. Like, in other words, you can pay to tap into someone's audience and get your message in front of people. That is not as effective as when people purposefully search for you because like, it is what uh, Seth Godin calls permission marketing versus interruption marketing. When people search for something in Google and land on your article, they kind of give you permission to market to them. You have their attention and they like want to learn from you and want to hear what you say. When you send people an email blast uh, with your offer or whatever, this is interruption marketing because people are into whatever uh, takes their mind at, at this point in time. And you're trying to interrupt them with your message and you're trying to get them interested. So the conversion rate is not even like close to, to what you can get from traffic from Google. And the third way is something that we discussed quite a few times already is word of mouth. So if your product is really helpful and if you can educate people on how your product is helpful, they're going to recommend it to their friends. So this is super important. One other important thing, one other important takeaway that I've learned, and they don't see a lot of people talk about it. So usually when you start learning like uh, SaaS marketing or like product marketing, etc., people obsess over that aha moment. The moment where like people uh, start using your tool, they click a few buttons and suddenly they realize how to use it. Like a light bulb uh, switches on and they, they are your customer for life. And there are a few like success stories like Twitter had to make people follow 10 other people. And this uh, what made them stick with Twitter. Or Facebook uh, made uh, their users, their new signups, like also befriend like uh, 10 people. And this what made them stick. I don't see like any other kind of case studies of such sort. So I don't really buy the thing that I think that product education it happens before people sign up for your product. Because like for HFs, I don't know, maybe for simple products that aha moment works because like Twitter is quite a simple concept. Like there's there's not much to learn there. But HFs is quite a sophisticated tool. We have like a lot of different tools. We have a lot of different reports. You have to really dig into it to understand like what kind of value you can get. So people won't just sign up for HFs, like browse around a little bit and suddenly a light bulb switches. It doesn't happen. <laughs> In our case, we first try to educate people. So we, we have our blog where we have articles about different uh, SEO problems and different SEO concepts. We have our channel on YouTube where we also teach different things and we also want to collect search traffic from YouTube. So people are actually searching for uh, solutions to their problems on YouTube and we have videos there. So people first, they learn how to use your product to solve whatever issue they have. And then they will sign up for your product and look like, okay, I saw that video and he went here and he did that. Let me replicate that. So this is how it happens for us. This is what I believe in. And that is why we mostly 
invest our efforts into educating everyone before they they join. Like even more, we have a trial, but it's a paid trial. You have to pay $7 to use the trials for seven days. I don't think I know uh, any other SaaS companies that would charge like $7 for their trial. So you ca- you actually have to pay to, to even like uh, take a look inside our tool. Would you pay for something that you don't even know how to use? Of course not. So first, you have to understand what are you paying for. You you have to understand what kind of use case you are going to act on. So first, people learn about Ahrefs and how to use it, and then they invest those $7 because they already know what they're going to get inside. So this is very important. That makes a ton of sense. And I think most people, at least people that I see on the Any Hackers Forum, people that I see posting on Product Hunt, have this sort of idea that they're going to put up a landing page, people are going to come read like one or two lines and immediately yeah. decide, I'm, I'm going to buy, you know, I'm selling out $100 yeah. for this, I'm sold. And it's really hard to underestimate, easy to underestimate how much work can really go into education before that point. Yeah. So if marketing was a one out of five when you joined HREFs, where would you say it is today? <laughs> uh, I won't answer that question because like uh, it's it's I have two choices either to be humble or to be arrogant so I'd rather have people who saw like what we're doing in terms of well actually it's interesting if there are any like uh, HF's customers among our listeners uh, let's have them tweet uh, mentioning you and me uh, what they think like from one to five where our marketing is right now I, I'll be super interested to get feedback from people Okay, what's your, your your Twitter is at Tim Solo, so at T I M S O U L O. Yeah, or they can actually mention Hrefs. Okay, we'll, yeah. we'll still see those tweets. It will be super interesting. <laughs> this will be an interesting experiment. I've never asked people to tweet while they're listening to a podcast. But where do you think Hrefs marketing is at? Tweet Tim, tweet Hrefs, and let us know. Let's switch over in, into talking a little bit about SEO in particular. You said elsewhere online that SEO is the best distribution channel for a small bootstrap startups to get started on. Is, have you said that? Is that true? I said many things, but yeah, I I, I believe this is true. <laughs> okay, so that's a pretty ambitious claim. And you mentioned earlier that there are other ways, of course, that customers can find your startup, but you think SEO is the best. Why do you believe so much in this approach? Well, like I said, because this is permission marketing. Because people are actually looking for a solution to their problem, and you have that solution. So, If we talk about paid traffic, you can still kind of bid for keywords in Google, but still you're getting your product in front of people who are actually looking for it. So this is why I think that uh, getting yourself in front of people who are searching for something relevant, whether we are ranking organically or paying for ads, this is the best way to get customers. On the other hand, SEO is kind of free. So uh, once you write an article and make it rank high in Google, it will consistently bring you traffic every single month. So you don't have to pay for it. Like uh, if, you, if you're if you paying for, for pay, pay-per-click advertising, you have to pay for every single click. But once you get your article to the top of Google, it might stay there for years. So then you can write a second article. So now you will have two articles that generate your traffic. And then you will write a third one. And you have three articles. And it's like kind of, it's compounding, it's adding up. Uh, and like you're investing work 
that actually adds up and not like investing dollars that once you stop it, uh, you're out of customers. So yeah, this is why I think that SEO is like amazing channel. Of course, people might argue with me that SEO takes time to build up. So if you have a new website, you have to like build authority, you have to build links, you have to like invest your time into creating like uh, all those great articles and integrate your tools there, etc., etc., etc. Well, yeah, you have to work. That's that's how you make money. That's how you build a business. You have to work. Like, of course, like if you have like tons of investing, it, it's easier for you to simply just burn that money into like all sorts of ads rather than like h- hire a team, train them how to create content, train them how to build links, how to get exposure, etc., etc. But yeah, those people who will have their content there organically will eventually win over the people who are like burning their money on ads because the first ones they they are not spending any money and like every next article they write it adds up to their total traffic and total number of prospects that they get to their website and their competitors are paying for each customer so already their customer acquisition cost is high and like it's harder for them to make profits. I like that you went a little bit into some of the objections that people have around SEO because that, it turns out, is exactly where I wanted to go. (laughs) Uh, SEO, obviously, one of the most popular channels online. Billions of people searching Google every month. And yet, a lot of founders are starting companies and completely neglecting SEO for a number of reasons. One of the first objections that people have is that the market's too crowded. (laughs) Any amount of success you are going to find via SEO pretty much died years and years ago. And at this point, it's impossible to succeed. And I think an interesting data point is to just look at the people I've had on my my podcast. I've had Rand Fishkin of Moz on here. I've had John Doherty of Credo. I've had Nat Eliason, who runs an SEO content marketing agency. I've had Ryan Bednar of Rank Science. I've had plenty of other people, I think, in the SEO space. And I think this is just a reflection, not of me liking SEO and interviewing SEO guests, but of SEO just being a crowded place with tons of people. What do you say to founders who are considering you know, trying to get the word out about their startup, but are afraid to enter the search engine optimization game because they think it's too crowded. (laughs) Well, uh, I think I have a super fun answer. Those people that you mentioned, like Rand Fishkin, who's like the the biggest person in SEO, probably, uh, Nat, uh, John Dougherty, etc., etc., etc. When I joined HFs, I was up against them. I was up against like best SEO people in the world. I was up against Moz. I was up against Sim Rush. Like I actually had to do SEO against people who are the best in the world in SEO. And our blog went from like 15,000 visitors per month to over 200,000 visitors per month. So like, while I was able to compete with the best SEOs of this world, I'm sure that if you enter some other niche, uh, there would be still a room for you. Like, it's fun that I think there's room for everyone. And I, I actually think that not all the businesses are good in the SEO. For example, if, if I take a look at uh, Moz blog or SMRush blog, they are not targeting many, many juicy keywords that we are targeting. So if people are interested, they, they can use Ahrefs and uh, go, go to our tools, go to our Site Explorer tool, enter the URL of Ahrefs blog, enter the URL of Moz blog, enter the URL of SMRush blog, and go to a report called Top Pages, which will show them the pages that generate the most traffic from search to each blog. 
and you'll instantly see like which topics each blog is targeting, which topics are bringing the most traffic. And the Hrefs is ranking and getting traffic for a ton of topics that are not really covered on those other blogs. So there's a ton of opportunity and they think like many businesses are simply missing out. They're not doing proper keyword research. They're not doing proper content marketing. I think like it is quite easy to get traffic with SEO. Like if I was able to wrestle with like all those biggest guys in the world and still be successful, then you should be able to. And one other thing, one other ob- objection about SEO is many people think that SEO is too technical. Probably it doesn't apply to the audience of developers, of course, uh, because like uh, the technical SEO is actually web development, the other word for it. Uh, but recently here in Singapore, I was giving uh, a short kind of talk to MBA students of National University of Singapore. They were doing some online project, launching their uh, startup, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. So I asked them how many of them are going to use SEO to bring traffic to to the websites of their project. None of them raised their hands. So I asked, like, why don't you guys uh, are not, why are you, are you not using SEO? And they said, like, SEO is too technical. And I said, guys, like, I, I barely know any HTML and I was able to like uh, ramp up the traffic to or to our blog like 10x. You don't have to be technical to, to, to know SEO. All you need to do is do keyword research. You need to like find the phrases, the topics that people are searching for online related to your product. And then you need to write articles on your like blog or on your like create pages on your website that would target those searches, that would target these problems that people are having. And then the last thing is that you need to get some links from other websites. So probably you have like, I don't know, partners, probably you have uh, friends with websites or like you you can go and guest post for other blogs. That there are many ways to get backlinks to your website and that's it. Like only three steps. First, you need to know what people are searching for. Second, you need to create some content or pages on your website to target these searches. And third, you need to get uh, links from other websites as a validation that, that your website is important and uh, so that Google would rank in high. That's all you need to do like on the surface level. Of course, if you're doing SEO for like big sites or e-commerce sites. There are a lot of bells and whistles there. And yeah, you have to be technical. You have to understand many different concepts. You have to be good at web development. But like on the surface level, SEO is super simple and straightforward. You got into a little bit about the difficulties of SEO and the technicality. And this was my second objection that I wanted to bring up that a lot of founders have trouble with. When they look at SEO, it just looks like it's too hard. There are people like you, there are people like Rand Fishkin, who have been doing this for 10, 15 years. And the amount of expertise and experience that you built up by this point of time just looks exhausting. And so they turn to SEO experts and consultants who can help them. And that's kind of a crapshoot because if you don't know anything about SEO, you don't really know how to hire somebody to help you with SEO. And of course, you can turn to you know various WordPress plugins that promise to optimize your website's SEO, but... You know, you press the button on WordPress and nothing really seems to happen. You're not ranking on Google and you think this is impossible. And so a lot of people don't even bother trying because it seems like it's too much to learn. There's too much work to do and whatever they try doesn't really help. Yeah, and they're missing out like big time. So it, it's it's really that simple. You you know what people are searching for. You create pages to target the searches and you try to get links from other websites. That's all you need to know. 
And yeah, the, uh, you said there are a lot of scammy SEO experts. Let me defend them. There are also a lot of legit SEO websites, uh, SEO experts, because uh, when you have like a huge website with like thousands and thousands of pages, probably you're doing a ton of mistakes on this website. Probably you have a lot of deadweight pages, etc., etc., etc. So the guys who have a lot of experience with SEO, they can kind of uh, ex- assess your website and show you like all all the mistakes that you're doing and remove like uh, duplicate pages, remove. Like, like thin pages, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and ramp up your traffic. But specifically for people who are building websites from scratch, you don't you don't really have any pages at all right now. So you, you don't have any mistakes at this point. So you don't need to hire SEO expert. You just need to start creating those pages to target what people are searching for. It, it's that simple. The last objection I was going to go into, you've also already touched on briefly, which is that SEO is too slow. So you're a startup founder, you're trying to get your company off the ground. You maybe only have six months of runway and the bank. You're still building your product. Can you really invest, you know, three to six months into writing dozens or even hundreds of articles before you start seeing any results? Great question. First of all, yes, SEO is slow and probably you won't be able to get uh, SEO traffic in the first month, in the second, in, in the second month. And you, you'll probably be lucky, uh, if uh, you'll get uh, like your first traffic in half a year. But why is that objection not to start doing SEO? Because like time will pass anyway. So what, where do you want to be in six months? Do you want to have like passive traffic that you that, that you don't have to pay for and like customers coming to your website consistently every every single month? Or you want to be looking like half a year from now, you, you want to be looking for that next growth hack that will magically like take your business to new heights, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> Another thing is that... Uh, you don't need to publish that many pages. Like I said, if you do keyword research, you can see the uh, the search demand for different topics, and some topics are like super popular. So if you if you take the search query like dog food, uh, there's a huge search demand for that search query. But can you really sell with that search query? It's hard because it's kind of general, so people are not looking to buy anything. Uh, but uh, if you look at the, at the search query, like buy some specific dog food uh, in Texas or whatever, that is something you should be targeting because people are actually looking to buy something at your location. So you don't have to build ton of pages. You just have to figure out what, what kind of topics, what kind of pages would be the most effective for your business to make a sale. But still, you'll have to uh, then hustle and build links from other websites so that Google would start, start crawl, crawling your website and so that Google would understand that your website is worth ranking at the top of the search results. Uh, But there's another kind of quick quote-unquote hack that you can do. So uh, once you do that keyword research and once you find all the kind of relevant search queries, all the relevant phrases that people are using to kind of find solutions to, to relevant problems, there are already like 10 pages for each of these search queries that are already ranking on the front page of Google. And quite often, many of these pages are not your direct competitors. So, for example, if you Google for, I don't know, best Wi-Fi headphones, these will be all review sites. So, if you happen to sell, like, super new Wi-Fi headphones, let's say you you just recently launched a Kickstarter campaign uh, and you want to promote them, just go to these pages, just go to these websites that already get traffic for your desired search term and pitch them your product. If they already listing, like, 10 different headphones 
Why wouldn't they list like eleventh? Uh, of course, like these people are looking to make money via affiliates. But if you have an affiliate program, just pitch them your product. Just tell them that you also have affiliate program, and they can include your product on their page and start making like a little money from promoting you. So yeah, yeah. Uh, to to start getting SEO traffic early, you need to focus on what I called second hand SEO traffic, which you get from pages that already rank for your desired search terms. Unless they're of course your direct competitors. In that case, they of course w- will not be interested to include you on your pages. But yeah, like while while you're not getting the SEO traffic of your own, while you don't have all these pages to target relevant search queries, go and see who already ranks there, and if you can pitch them your product or service, and if you can have them included on their pages, and you instantly start getting some relevant traffic. That's good stuff, Tim. We're approaching the end of the episode. I want to close out by asking you to maybe just give some general purpose advice to entrepreneurs who aren't located in a tech hub. You yourself come from Ukraine. Uh, It's a very different environment there than it is in places like San Francisco. And I think most people listening to the podcast don't live in tech hubs like San Francisco or London or anything like that. How can you sort of strike it on your own and start a successful business? And what kinds of problems have you overcome in doing that, being from Ukraine? Uh, like I said, the best way to to learn something is to start doing this. So be an action taker. Don't just like lurk uh, the internet indefinitely looking for the next best idea or the next like most most awesome growth hack. Actually, go build that website, go like create MVP of your product, put it out there, start getting feedback. And the second best thing you can do after you like do all these things, connect with people who are either at your stage or like just one or two steps above you. In the hackers is like amazing community for that. So like you can easily like engage, discuss your problems and connect with like-minded people. And you're going to get friends. Like I said, uh, I launched my own blog because it was a bet with my friend and I met that friend online. So I was reading his blog. I was leaving him comments. I wanted to connect with him because he was quite a few steps above me. He was where I wanted to be. So eventually I was able to connect with him and we're friends till this date. So yeah, like start doing things, start connecting with people who are a few levels above you and eventually you'll figure it out. There's just no other way for you. Like there's no way to consistently fail for years and years if you're trying trying things and if you're connecting with people who are above you. Well, thank you so much, Tim, for coming on to the Indie Hackers podcast and sharing your story and sharing your knowledge so passionately. Can you tell listeners where they can go to find out more about what you guys are up to at Hrefs and about what you're up to personally if you share that kind of thing online as well? Yeah, I have my my own personal page at Ahrefs. So it's ahrefs.com, A-H-R-E-F-S.com slash team, T-I-M. Uh, and on that page, I, I'm basically listing all my social profiles. I'm listing uh, all the best articles that I've written for that I have written for Ahrefs blog. And I'm also li- listing my podcast interviews. So once this one is published, it will appear on that page as well. So if people want to to connect with me, they, they can find all the information there. And other than that, like, I, I cannot even like tell people to, to, I don't know, to go to Ahrefs blog or to go to Ahrefs or to go to our YouTube channel. Because like, 
if you're not looking for help with SEO, then you don't really need to explore the, those resources. But if you are looking to, to start an SEO, if you, if you are looking to get some knowledge to learn how to do things, just go to Google, start typing like whatever problems you're having. Just go to YouTube, start start typing whatever like things you, you don't understand. And I'm sure that eventually you will, you will land on Ahrefs blog. Eventually you will land on our videos and you'll learn how to use our product and you'll become our customer. That's good stuff. Thank you so much, Sam, for coming on the show. It was great having you. Thanks a lot for having me. If you enjoyed listening to this conversation and you want a really easy way to support the podcast, why don't you head over to iTunes and leave us a quick rating or even a review? If you're looking for an easy way to get there, just go to ndhackers.com slash review, and that should open up iTunes on your computer. I read pretty much all the reviews that you guys leave over there, and it really helps other people to discover the show, so your support is very much appreciated. In addition, if you are running your own internet business, or if that's something you hope to do someday, you should join me and a whole bunch of other founders on the ndhackers.com website. It's a great place to get feedback on pretty much any problem or question that you might have while running your business. If you listen to the show, you know that I am a huge proponent of getting help from other founders rather than trying to build your business all by yourself. So you'll see me on the forum for sure, as well as more than a handful of some of the guests that I've had on the podcast. If you're looking for inspiration, we've also got a huge directory full of hundreds of products built by other indie hackers, every one of which includes revenue numbers and some of the behind the scenes strategies for how they grew their products from nothing. As always, thanks so much for listening and I'll see you next time.